Help us today to understand more of how to bring about the change that you desire in us and to do it in a way that honors you. In your name we pray. Amen. God's peace to you, friends. Great to be with you again. We are continuing the sermon series that we began last Sunday called A Season of Change. This will be for the month of January. And today's theme specifically is owning change, owning it, making it our own. We made the point last Sunday in introducing this series that for the Christian, change is really not optional. Jesus' call to repent is a call to change. And not simply once a year through New Year's resolutions. Rather, we are to see each day as an opportunity for change. So we're asking the question, are you ready to change? Maybe not, but maybe so. The truth is that change is going to come one way or the other. You know, sometimes we choose change, and sometimes change chooses us. Yeah, sometimes we choose change. We, we recognize the need for a change, and so we decide to, for example, eat in a more healthy manner or get about our exercise program more regularly for the sake of our physical well-being. We choose to change by quitting bad habits and beginning new, better habits in our life. Sometimes we choose change, but sometimes, as you know all too well, change chooses us. Suddenly out of the blue we have that heart attack or that stroke or some other medical emergency that throws our life into something of an upside-down experience. Or maybe you get laid off from work getting that unwanted pink slip from the employer. Or maybe the college admissions board notifies you that you were not accepted into your dream school, the school you had hoped and planned to go to, and now suddenly all of that has changed. Whatever it is, suddenly you are faced with a change. How do you deal with that? That's what we're exploring in this series during January. Last week, we learned that with God, all things are possible. You may have thought to yourself, well, you know, when it comes to that change, uh, I don't think I could ever do that. Really? With God, all things are possible. As Christians, of course, we understand that God brings his power to bear in our lives over the fact that we are his baptized children. In our baptism, we experience the power of God. You know, I wonder if sometimes we underestimate what it means to be baptized children of God. Whether we were sprinkled as infants or, or dunked in a river, what does it mean that we are children, baptized children of God? Well, first of all, as Paul reminds us in Romans 6, baptism connects us to the death and resurrection of Jesus. In our baptism, 
in which the Holy Spirit planted saving faith in our hearts, he connects us to what Jesus did for us on the cross. His death benefits us through our baptism. We experience the forgiveness of our sins. Baptism also connects us to his resurrection so that just as he rose from the dead, we too will have a resurrection like his one day. And that baptism assures us that through the forgiveness of sins and the gift of life and salvation, we've also been given a power for living the abundant life here and now. Secondly, baptism also gives us our identity. You know, it seems that identity is a real issue in the world today. People struggle with understanding who they really are. Who am I anyway? In baptism, we get our identity as children of God himself. Think about it. We are kids of the king of the universe, and nothing changes that. With all the other changes going on in the world around us and even changes going on inside of our lives, nothing changes the fact that God has made us his children by his grace. That's an anchor to which we must continue to go back to, especially when we're asking the question, how do I make good changes in my life? It comes back to our identity in Christ. That baptismal identity that we have in Christ is what gives us the confidence and the power to engage change, regardless of how the change might come into our lives. I like what St. Paul wrote to the Corinthian Christians in his second letter to them, chapter 5, verse 17. I would invite you to read this verse with me out loud, please. If anyone is in Christ... They are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Do we really believe that? If we are in Christ, that we are a brand new creation as a result of his grace working in us. Think about that. As new creations empowered by a living God it means that we can make those changes in our daily behavior that we, we all know we need to make. And, and each of us has something. We all know there's something we know we need to make a change in in our life. For this particular sermon series, we are drawing on the insights of a book by Carrie Patterson entitled Change Anything. Now, this is not the Bible, of course, and admittedly, it is a secular book. But it does help us appreciate more the biblical truth that change comes from the power of Christ at work in us, in others, and in the world around us. What I like about this book is that the basic principles it lays out line up perfectly with what the Bible teaches about how God works change in us. And I encourage you, if you don't have a copy, pick up a copy. I think they're six bucks used on Amazon. Really, really very helpful, practical book. And one of the things that we're going to see when we study this book is um, a, a very practical system for how to go about making change that sticks. 
better than those New Year's resolutions that come and go. Patterson's book, by the way, provides this change matrix, as it's called, to help us kind of visualize the dynamics of how real-life change takes place. So this change matrix involves six sources of influence that we can enlist to help us make real-life changes. Six sources of influence. Two of those are personal sources of influence, personal motivation and personal abilities or skills to make the change. The second group is, is two social uh, sources of influence, and we're going to explore those next week. And the third type are the structural sources of influence. We'll cover those the last Sunday of January. But today, we are focusing on the first segment of the change matrix, the first two sources of influence that we can make use of to make these actual changes in how we behave. These first two sources of influence are personal motivation and personal ability or skill for making the change. You know, when you think about making some kind of a change in, in behavior or changing a habit, introducing a new habit, your first reaction might be, eh, I'm not too sure about that. that that's not something that I, that I really want to do. It doesn't sound very pleasant. It's, it's kind of an undesirable thing. Well, the first goal, you see, is to make the undesirable desirable, to think differently about that change that you have in mind. Even though initially we might view a certain change as unpleasant, we can change that. We can make the undesirable something that is desirable for us. How do, how do we do that? What do I mean by that? Well, you can give some thought to the benefits that will come your way by making this change. Envision the future with that change in place and the good benefits that will come as a result of that, and that can be a personal motivator. Yes, that would be better, and that motivates me to want to actually change. Or you can consider the negative consequences of not making the change. Ooh, if I don't do this, that won't be good down the road. And that can be a personal motivator as well, a source of influence to help you actually make a change. The second uh, factor on the personal level is, has to do with personal abilities or skills. And the exhortation here is to overinvest in skill building. Maybe there's some skill that you need to develop in order to make this change come about. Maybe there's some information that you need to get a hold of, some resources to, to search out to inform you so that you can make a more educated decision about that change. Let me use an example of something that I'm guessing many people find to be an undesirable or unpleasant thing to talk about. And that is making your final arrangements for when you pass away. 
All right, nobody wants to talk about that, right? You don't go out to dinner with your best friends and sit down and say, hey, let's talk about uh, how and where and when, well, maybe not when, but how and where you're going to be buried. Yeah, we don't plan that that far in advance, do we? The when. And don't tell me that you'd like to with some of your relatives. No, that's not a good place to go. It's not a topic people generally want to talk about. It's kind of unpleasant, undesirable, makes people a little bit mm, uneasy. But it is an important topic, isn't it? So very important. This became personal for me. I have to admit, I'm a procrastinator on this one. I have not made my final arrangements. My mom, as you know, passed away last month, and I was at the funeral, and after the funeral was over, had a good conversation with my dad. And in talking to my dad, I asked him the question, Dad, when was it that you and mom made all the arrangements at the cemetery for all this? I was thinking, you know, maybe a few years ago. He said, 23 years ago. You could have knocked me over. I had no idea they had done that 23 years ago. 23 years ago, my mom was 60, my dad was 65. I'm 61. I need to make these decisions. I'm a little behind the eight ball here. I need to get on the ball and get this change into place. In terms of personal motivation, as I think about what would personally motivate me to carry this through and make this kind of a decision, on the one hand, it's not wanting to burden my own children with having to deal with all of that in the midst of their strain and stress and grief and so on. I don't want to burden them with that. Positively speaking, as I think about what that would mean, I want to bless my children by making those arrangements in advance so it's all taken care of, just as my parents blessed us by making those decisions, you see. That's kind of how that motivation thing works. And then in terms of personal ability or skills related to this, I recognize that I need to learn more about the details related to uh, end things in order to make a more informed decision. I've never made a decision about purchasing a casket or, or considering cremation. I've never made any of those decisions. I have a lot to learn about all of this, even though I've helped a lot of other people plan their funerals. I have some skills, some abilities I need to learn, some information I need to gather so that I can make that change in my decisions. It's changing from procrastination to proactive decision-making, you see. So it involves both that personal motivation and personal ability, skill, information to make the change. So let me ask you, what kind of a change do you need to make? And how might you enlist your personal motivations and your personal abilities and skills in order to make that change? I think what St. Paul writes to the Philippians is a helpful verse. Philippians 4.13 from our epistle lesson for today. It's up on the screen. It's kind of broken into four parts. I'd like you to read this with me. We'll read it all the way straight through and then come back to it. Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All right, let's take it one piece at a time. I can. 
Do you really believe that you can make the change that you are considering? As a redeemed child of God, friend, you certainly can. For God empowers you to be able to make the change that is needed for his glory. I can do all things, Paul says. I can do all things. Now, let's be clear. I can do all things to which God calls me to do. There are some things he may not want me to do or really not, would not be very wise for me to try to do. You know, if, if you're a four-foot freshman weighing about 85 pounds, you probably don't want to try and take the place of the six-foot, five-inch, 250-pound linebacker senior on the high school football team. You're probably not a good replacement for that person. You probably don't want to go head-to-head with them either, right? So I can do all things to which God calls me to do, and I can do that through Christ, back to our identity. That is how we are able to do these changes, because we're identified with Christ, who gives me strength. We don't rely merely upon our own strength or our own willpower which so often fails. Rather, we are empowered by Christ's resurrection power, and therefore we can make the changes that God desires in us. I am struck by that woman in that gospel reading for today, John chapter 8. The the rather self-righteous pharisaical religious leaders dragged this woman in front of Jesus in the temple court area having caught her in the act of adultery. And they were ready to stone her. And they were also testing Jesus to see what he would do. Jesus knelt down and wrote with his finger in the dust. He looked up to them and said, let those among you who are without sin cast the first stone at her. One by one, they dropped their stones. The oldest ones first, they had the most sins. They dropped their stones and walked away. And there Jesus is one-on-one with this woman. And he says, is there no one here to accuse you? And she says, no one. And Jesus says, then neither do I accuse you. And then the moment of change comes. Now go and change your life of sin. Leave your life of sin. Go and sin no more. It was a call to change. We don't hear anything more about this woman. We don't know if she made a change. We hope and pray that by Jesus' power and forgiveness and grace, she went on to live a whole different kind of life. But really what matters more is how about you? Will you go and make the change that God is calling you to make. What change is before you this new year, friends? What bad habits do you need to stop? What new good habits, perhaps, do you need to begin? Well, here's a few additional questions to consider as you wrestle with that change that you already have in mind to make in this new year. The first question I want to ask you is, are you baptized? By the way, if you're not baptized, I would love to talk to you about that. What the, what the meaning of baptism is for you. 
But if you are baptized, know in yourself, you have a power that comes from God to make the change that God desires to see in you. Don't sell yourself short. You are a baptized child of God. Secondly, are you really ready to change? Thirdly, what is the deepest, most God-honoring motivation that you can muster to begin making the change that you know you need and want to make? What's that personal motivation for you that will help you make that change? And lastly, what skills or abilities are lacking that need to be honed in order to make the desired change? Friends, it's a season of change. And the all-powerful God stands ready to assist us. Next week, we're going to take a look at that second segment of the change matrix. We're going to consider that change is not only about what we do individually. It's also about those around us who want the best for us, whom we can recruit to help us with our desired life changes. I hope you'll come back for the next segment. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank and praise you that you are a God of change and that you desire that we become more and more like Christ. Help us, O God, in the power of our baptism to make those changes that are necessary, to be those who find our motivation from you and those who gain our skills and abilities to take the step of change that's needed. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.